Lord is with you, brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, man, several times this week, uh, I was reminded uh, very evidently that there's a deep connection. There's a deep connection between uh, the children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, um, and the fact that we are, you and I, are eternally bonded by the blood of Christ. Um, this week, uh, this past Thursday, um, I was, I actually came down to, down the shop, uh, early in the morning, uh, a little bit before eight o'clock and started to, well, continued to begin to write this sermon and figure this whole thing out. Been wrestling with it all week and I sat down at the table in the front of the shop and my wife came up to me and uh, said, hey, there's, there's two guys in the back that, that uh, I want you to meet. Um, they're, they're missionaries. They're of a nonprofit. And uh, so I got up out of my seat and, and uh, met this two gentlemen, Jordan and Ben. Um, and uh, I stood there and listened to their heart and the passion that they have. And their nonprofit enables them to, to journey to Honduras um, on a yearly basis and impact um, the youth of Honduras. Their goal is that they really want to breathe into the Honduran youth dreams. In fact, Honduras, pretty much one-third to about a half of the country uh, is zero to 25 years old. Um, and there are a lot of youth that aren't dreaming at all. And so they want to pump dreams into the youth and get them to begin to allow themselves to dream big dreams. And while doing so, they're impacting these youth for the, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last year, they, they, uh, they actually stood before 10,000 youth and preached the gospel. And I was reminded as I was standing there, there's a deep connection between brothers and sisters in Christ. You may not know one another, but we're bonded eternally by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so my wife and I had a moment of prayer in the back of the shop for these two men. But it wasn't just that conversation. Monday, um, Matthew was out of the office as he was in Columbus getting training for uh, the reserves as a chaplain. And so I figured, I'm going to go somewhere where there's windows. Because <laughs> my office doesn't have windows. And so I worked on the dreaded annual report that you have to fill out every year as a pastor for the Church of the Nazarene. I tried to finish up my project in the back of the shop. And... Uh, Spent all morning in the back of the shop and took off and went upstairs to snag some grub and do some dishes. Um, and uh, I heard the doorbell. And so my wife, being the intelligent woman she is, figured out a way to get her husband to come downstairs by putting a doorbell upstairs with the button downstairs. So anytime she needs her husband, ding dong. And as the great husband that I am, if you don't know me, that's tongue-in-cheek, uh, um, I went downstairs, 
But it wasn't my wife that rang the bell. It was Rachel, one of our employees. And she said, hey, there's, there's a, a missionary here who wants to talk with you. And so uh, I, I ran into a familiar face. Um, and uh, I, I'd have to ask his name, what his name was. And he introduced himself. And he said, this is Sam. And Sam uh, is from the Philippines. And he was in the States just for about three or four days. Uh, Finley First Church of the Nazarene had uh, heard his testimony over the summer at General Assembly and uh, said, we want you to come to Finley First and share your story. And so, and that night he was going to head over to Crydersville Church of the Nazarene and share his story there. But I had this privilege of standing in the shop listening to this young man, probably in his 30s, tell his story years ago he was a professional motocross rider in the Philippines he was well known in his country and he had an accident and that put his career not only to a pause but to a halt and uh, also in the meantime his father had passed and he just felt the call to be a pastor. He had this sense that God was moving him in a different direction in his life from a professional motocross rider to a pastor. And so, as a pastor in his hometown, he was trying to connect with community leaders. He was just randomly calling community leaders and wanting to sit down and talk with his leaders. And one of those being the mayor. And his hometown is actually, I think, about, what do you say, seven, seven, six, seven million people? There's a lot of people. And uh, he sat down with the mayor. And as a result of having a conversation with the mayor, someone said, we need you, Sam, to build a motocross track in our city. We need to get our youth moving in that direction. Sam didn't want any part of it. Fast forward to now. Sam has a booming ministry where there are youth and adults that gather on a weekly basis at this track. The story is immense and God's hand even that much more immense. And he is ministering to the community that he lives in. He's able to sit down with government officials and have their ear. Businessmen and women, policymakers, just because he just had this draw and his passion just poured out as he's standing in the shop. And I was reminded in that moment, again, that we are bonded as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ eternally bonded by the blood of Christ, together on mission with one another for God's mission for everyone. And I stood there and had this privilege of listening to this man's story and how God opened so many doors that people all around the world are calling him. How are you doing this? What's going on? Show us how you do it. 
And then I prayed over Sam and thanked him for his time. And I went back to my job and began thinking of Paul's words about how Paul would sit in his prison cell. And we don't typically read these parts of his, his, uh, his letters, but he lists all these names at the end of his letters. Luke and Demas and Aristarchus. And who are these people? Priscilla and Aquila. And I think if Paul had an iPhone, he would have done what Sam had done while he was telling me his story. Paul would have pulled out his iPhone and said, Hey, look, this is Priscilla and Aquila. I sat with them for 18 months. They're teaching Apollos. Hey, look, this is, this is Luke and Silas and Timothy. These are my sons, my brothers, my fellow workers. This is, this is Epaphroditus and this is Epaphras. But see, we don't, Paul didn't have an iPhone. Paul just had a pen and paper and penned the names of the people that he stood beside, that he was shoulder to shoulder with, brothers and sisters, men and women in Christ, bonded by the blood of Jesus Christ. So if you would, we're just going to turn to a couple passages today. Colossians. Chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. The last time we met and was, were, was in this sermon series, we talked about Colossians and the principles that pull out of this letter. And at the very end of this letter, Paul goes through a list of names. Chapter 4, verse 7. He says to Tychus, I don't know about you, but if you're going to have a kid, there's a name for him, Tychus. Say that ten times fast. You can practice yelling him, yelling the word, yelling name as if your kid was in trouble. Tychus! Tychus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Then Paul says this. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. Tychicus and Onesimus. Caicus, fellow brother, fellow worker, and he was an ancient messenger. He was the mail carrier for Paul. Carried the letter of Colossians. Carried the letter of Ephesians. That's why and how you have that in your Bible. Because of this man. But then Paul references this guy, Onesimus. Who is this man? Curious. What's his story? He only just says, 
a faithful and dear brother who is one of you. Who is he? What's his story? You have a story. I have a story. What's the story of Onesimus? Why is he included in this letter? Along with several others, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, Archippus. Why are they in the rest of this letter? Well, the story of Onesimus, a faithful dear brother and one of you, is a story of a slave without identity, without status, without dignity, without hope. It's a story of a slave owner, of wealth and power, and yes, ownership. A story of saints and sinners, sinners and saints being one and the same. A story of redemption and transformation and grace. A story of three brothers. Three. A story of Christ. A story of Christianity. And a story of norms colliding with Christianity. With Christ's Christianity. And it was a story of love. If you would, take a right turn. Just a few books to this little book called Philemon. We learn more of the story of Onesimus and why, is he, why, is he, why he is important. In the book of Philemon, we're going we're gonna to read this entire book. Um, it's pretty easy. It's like 20, 25 verses. But I'd like for you to step inside for a moment. Step inside this small little letter because that man, Tychicus, and Onesimus also carry this letter. Not only the letter of Ephesians, not only the letter of Colossians, but the letter of Philemon to Philemon. There was a guy in, at CCU, and uh, I saw his name on his paper. I said, hey, uh, Philemon. And he said, no, it's Philemon. He's from Haiti. And I was like, man, that's really cool. I wish we called the book Philemon Philemon. That's just really awesome. So we're going to jump into this letter real quick. And before we jump into this letter, I just want to pray and ask the Lord to speak what he has to say today. Will you just bow your heads for a moment? Jesus, this is your word. This is your truth. And Lord, we stand in the middle of culture. And we want to clothe ourselves with Christ. Sometimes the kingdom of God and culture collide. We ask that you fill us with your spirit. You teach us. For myself, I ask that you remove me from the equation. Quicken my thought. May I be under your authority and no one else's. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Philemon. Paul a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, our brother. Verse 1. To Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, 
to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. They had life group. First century life group met in their home. Just want to throw that out there. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God when I rem- as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. What's that mean? When we don't share our faith, we're lacking something. We're missing the full understanding of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. It sounds like this Philemon's a real great guy. He opens his home. He opens his home to believers and has church. They gather around table and observe the Lord's Supper. They sing hymns. They worship Christ. They feast together. This is a wealthy man. But then Paul turns to something. He says, therefore, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Yet I appeal to you on the basis of love. I then, as Paul an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my son of Nesimus, not a biological son, a relational son, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and me. I'm sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. You can tell the relationship between Paul and Onesimus. It's more than a friendship. It's a mentorship. It's an appreciation. It's a love. I would have liked to keep him with me so he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent so that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you a little while was that you might have him back for good. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's very dear to me but even dearer to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention to you that you owe your very self to me. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you 
will do even more than I ask. And then Paul adds just one more thing. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so to Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Onesimus' story starts way back in Colossae, back in a home in Colossae. Colossae, a first century, second-rate Roman city. No longer casting shadows, but standing in the shadows of places like Ephesus and Laodicea. His story starts back in the home of Philemon. As I said, a wealthy home owner, a wealthy man who's a believer in Jesus Christ, who opens the door of his home to those brothers and sisters that he comes to church with. Like those people that you're sitting next to, he would invite you right into his home with Aphia, probably his wife, and Archippus, more than likely his son. And they would sit around the table and worship the Lord, sing hymns and psalms and feast and Observe the Lord's communion. They didn't have the New Testament at that time. Probably by this time the book of Matthew may have been written. Galatians would have been written. But the chances of them having those books are slim to none. Paul's connected. But see, as he's having church, as he's opening his home... He's eyeball to eyeball with not only Onesimus, but several others that are not a part of the church, that are not brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, these men are slaves. Philemon, a Christian and a slave owner. That strikes me. It's very odd. I want you to know today that all week I've wrestled with this letter and I've actually wrestled with hatred for Philemon. Over and over and over again I've read this letter and at the end of each letter I have each time just Hatred for Philemon. It bothers me. I struggled with him. A man who opens his home, who's a fellow believer in Christ and follows Christ. Paul even says, man, you refresh the hearts of the saints. He's generous. He's like many of you. But then, he doesn't share the gospel with, with, with Onesimus. 
He owns Onesimus. And Onesimus, this slave, himself finds no hope, a man without status, a man whose dignity has been removed, tries to create hope for himself by fleeing from the situation, by running away, and more than likely pilfering before he leaves to stick it to Philemon. We don't know how Onesimus came in contact with Paul. Whether he sought Paul out or not. But by the sovereign, divine hand of God, at some point, Onesimus and the imprisoned Paul connect. Paul, who knows Philemon, Paul, who knows the church of Colossae. Paul, who knows the people that are meeting in the house. And under Paul, Onesimus hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of peace. Paul looks at Onesimus as a man created in the image of Christ and of God. Eyeball to eyeball with the same man Philemon saw as a slave and as property. And Paul shares the gospel. And Onesimus opens his heart and receives Christ as his Lord and Savior. Receives the Holy Spirit. And now becomes a faithful worker with Paul in the efforts for the church, the kingdom of God. So much so that he's a dear friend, that he's a brother. And Paul adds that he is one of those in Colossae. And so, Paul sees the disconnect. It's very obvious for us, right? We just read this letter. It's very obvious the disconnect between Philemon and the heart of God. And that's where my hatred comes in for Philemon. I struggled with him. Folks, What may be culturally acceptable may not be permissible in the kingdom of God. Let me say that one more time. What may be culturally acceptable, and you can fill in the blank, whatever that may be, may not necessarily be permissible in the kingdom of God. You and I stand in the 21st century with a culture that tells you 
that there are a lot of things that are acceptable. Paul, in the first century, stands, sits in a prison, in a culture that slavery was acceptable and a part of the culture completely. It was one slave for every three Romans. This was their way of life. It wasn't racially biased, although they would prefer not to enslave their own. Even at the height of the imperial period, two million slaves were in Italy alone. What may be culturally acceptable may not necessarily be permissible in the kingdom of God. The disconnect. And so Paul, as he does, he says in the letter of Philippians, speak truth in love. Paul, as an apostle, can make an argument under the authority of Christ and under the fact that he is an apostle and has authority and command Philemon, you need to release this man. But he doesn't. He does it out of love. Jesus said to his disciples, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you too must love one another. This is how they will know you're my disciple. Paul, on the basis of love, not only for Onesimus, but for Philemon. Paul's not as gracious as I am right now. Or I'm not as gracious as Paul is, right? Backwards. Strike that. Reverse it. He extends grace. He says, I'm not going to command you. I'm not going to force your hand. But I'm sending Onesimus back to you. Because he's still, according to the law of the land, he's still your property. There are, there are laws in our own land that we may not like. That we may not appreciate. I don't know what side of the fence you're on. doesn't matter. But Paul gives us an example of how to live in our own country when we really don't like what's going on in our own country from the leadership down. We live the law of the kingdom of God and that is love. Because if we know our history, if we go back to our history of the church, Christianity upended this dictatorship of Roman rule. Turned it up on its head. Why? Because they loved. Because they were hospitable. Because they knew the values of the kingdom. And so Paul pleads Philemon. If you look in the letter, kind of go back into your Bible real quick. Open up your scripture real quick. 
Look for the word brother. How many times does Paul use the word brother? It's in the very first sentence. Calls Timothy his brother. But then he mentions Philemon as his brother. And he also mentions Onesimus as his brother. And pleads to Philemon. Now Onesimus is better than a slave. He's a fellow man and he's a brother. Folks, brothers and sisters in Christ are bonded eternally by the blood of Jesus Christ. You and me, if you know the Lord, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. What does that mean for for Onesimus? Paul says this, Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. That means whether you're a wealthy homeowner, an awesome businessman, a pastor, a factory worker, a farmer, a trucker. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. As the world sees our status, that doesn't mean anything. Christ sees us as his own, as children who have access to him. And that means you and me, we're brothers and sisters. We're not slave nor free. We're not owners. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, bonded eternally by the blood of Christ, on mission together with God for God's mission. Paul says, I'm sending him back to you. He's your brother now. Like I said, I was angry with Philemon until I realized I'm Philemon. No, I'm not a slave owner. But unfortunately, there are times in which we don't see people, I don't see people necessarily all the time through the eyes of God as if they are the image of God. Philemon stood and stared at the face of Onesimus. Onesimus was created in the image of God just as much as Philemon. There are people that we pass by every day, that I pass by every day, that I fail to share the gospel with. I'm Philemon. Might we all be Philemon? Struggle with that wrestle with that that bothers me 
But on the other hand, I'm Onesimus. Paul. Paul emphasizes the transformation of Onesimus. The heart transformation. The difference that is in this man. Received Christ and the Holy Spirit. And now he's a fellow brother and worker. There's a transformation that has happened. That should be a transformation that all of us receive. You know what? When you receive Christ, your character changes. When grace is given, so grace should be extended. I am Philemon. Sometimes grace isn't always extended, right? But I am Onesimus because I've received grace. We stand in the middle. We walk the tightrope because this is a tightrope letter. Paul walks that tightrope. This is on the basis of love. Receive him as a brother. And one more thing, I'm coming. I'm going to come. I want you to open your door, and I'm going to have a room, because you know what? I tried to step inside the mind of Paul just for a moment to think what he was thinking. I just imagine Paul. He didn't get this opportunity. But I imagine Paul sitting in Philemon's home at the table after life group and having a meal with Philemon and Onesimus. Now Paul no longer imprisoned. Now Onesimus no longer a slave and Philemon no longer a slave owner, but all three brothers bonded by the blood of Christ, leveled by the blood of Christ. Not apostle, not wealthy man, not slave, but brothers. I imagine that moment. And then I imagine that's exactly what Paul would like for you and I. It's not pastor and congregation, it's brothers and sisters. So what do we do with it? Well, I realized that Philemon was only living up to what he already understood. Began to start to give grace a little bit to Philemon, because I'm no better than he is. Paul said, only let us live up to what we've already attained in the, in the book of Philippians. Folks, you may be starting out fresh with the Lord. You may have just started your journey with Christ. Or you may have been with Christ for years. Guess what? None of us have arrived yet. You and I have not arrived. It's a hard pill to swallow, but guess what? It's true. You're not arrived until you're glorified, and that doesn't happen until you take your last breath and Christ comes again. Right? We're still learning. We're still transforming. We're still growing. So, live up to what you know.
but you're to grow all the more, not staying the same. Paul is pushing back on Philemon, saying, hey, this may be culturally acceptable, but it is not permissible in the kingdom of God. Be compassionate. Be gentle. You're no longer a slave to sin. Why should you be enslaving someone else? He's been freed in Christ, so free him from the chains that you have on him now. Live up to what you already know, what you already attained, but grow and somehow not stay the same anymore. This is a journey. It's one step at a time. Folks, you might be like Philemon. You might be clothing yourself in Christ and culture at the same time. Your life might be looking a little bit more like culture and less like Christ. Clothing yourself with culture in Christ does not work. Paul calls it out. Paul calls it out. Begin to adjust it, he says. Because I'm coming and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure there's an adjustment. I may, not, I may, I be, may be on the basis of love now, but I want to sit at the table with you and Onesimus as brothers. Right? I ask the question. Might you be clothing yourself with culture in Christ at the same time? It doesn't work. Last, since we're all children of God, if we receive Christ, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be coming around one another. We're all on the same playing ground. There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no Scythian, there's no barbarian, there's no slave nor free. Christ is all and in all. We're brothers and sisters. To me, that's an encouraging word. We're not better than the other. Might be further along in the journey. We're no better than the other. Sandy, would you mind coming? So I don't know. There's too much in this book, in these 25 verses, to even begin unpacking in a 25, 35, 45-minute sermon. But I hope that there's something out of what was said this morning that applies to you and where you are. Would you please stand? And just bow your heads for just a moment. Jesus, Lord, I ask that you peel back the layers of our hearts and our lives. If there's any incongruence, 
between our life and our faith in you. Make it very apparent. Make it very evident. And today, as you convict us, because we invite that conviction in our life, as you convict us, may that conviction move us to change, to adjust ourselves and our life according to your word and your value and your kingdom. But Father, I am grateful. I am grateful that we are brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Man, how I'm grateful for that. That connection from across the globe, but that connection right here, that we are eternally bonded by the blood of Christ. That we're on the same mission. That we're on this together. And that we're all useful. That we all play a part. That no one should be dismissed. We all get to play. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to ask you guys. Wherever you are. With your heads down. Do you feel like, man, I am clothing myself with culture and I'm clothing myself with Christ? If that's you, will you just raise your hand? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, for those that had raised their hands and others that have not, for all of us, may we realize it doesn't work. You'd rather us be hot or cold, not in the middle of lukewarm. Will you breathe your breath of life into them and encourage them, encourage us where we are. Know that we can stand firmly in our faith in the midst of culture. That we can be engaging with culture and counterculture at the same time. May the kingdom of God be lived out. May heaven come in on earth right now in our lives. Lord Jesus, we love you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray today. Amen. Folks, may you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. May you love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, we'll see you next week. There is no encounter tonight. Enjoy your time with family. Have a good day.